It's Saturday, December 19th. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and this is Apropos of Nothing. As I said earlier in the week, this is a non-investing episode. This is me, Bill Mann, and Bill Barker hanging out in Bill Mann's backyard, just having some fun. A quick shout out to Austin Morgan, who brought the recording equipment and stood outside with us in the cold. And it was cold, people. So thank you, Austin, for making this happen. And thanks, as always, to producer Dan Boyd for putting this episode together. Again, if you're looking for stock ideas, now would be a good time to stop listening. No offense taken, I promise. But if you would like to hang out with three friends who have known each other a long time and listen to us talk about things like interview questions we wish we could take back, the Mount Rushmore of soups, unexpected emails we've received over the years, then please, by all means, pull up a chair, grab yourself a beverage, join us at the table. Bill Barker is about to pitch his idea for a TV series with Santa Claus as the main character. So, Santa Claus, uh, apparently very busy. Christmas, Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. Is he really busy the rest of the year? We don't think so. The elves, they're doing the work. They're doing the hard work. He's just uh, testy. He's waiting around. He's an innocent. Eventually, uh, to fill the time, he decides to, uh, because this is the way life works, you know, he, has some, he's, he decides to uh, solve crimes. Uh, and, uh, you know, crim a procedural, uh, and it's a buddy cop show, and he, he goes to, uh, you know, somewhere, and he gets paired up, and uh, he's like the oldest rookie that they've ever seen on the police force, but he, he's brought on because of his unerring ability to figure out who, who's naughty and who's not. Who's the bad guy? Who's the bad guy? He's always, he's got like this uh, sixth sense about who is good and who's bad. I sense a false positives issue, though, because he knows who the bad guys are, but he doesn't know what they're being bad for. Right. Well, I, he could solve the crime, like, in the first minute if he actually had the power to tell exactly what they've done, right? He just knows. <laughs> he's got a sense, like, who's who's good, who's bad. Okay. Who's the buddy? So, uh, well, the buddy, I haven't entirely figured it out, but I think it's obviously it's got to be mismatched. So he's, he's much younger, not necessarily a he. I mean, we're going to, it's an open casting call. And it could be a man, could be a woman, uh, could be any race. It, obviously, you know, the more mismatched with Santa Claus, an old white guy, you know, the, the more you're going to get to work on it. But the, here's the, where the tension comes in. The partner is pretty bitter because he never got anything from Santa Claus. He, like, he doesn't even believe in Santa Whoa. Claus because he never, he was, he was, unbeknownst to him, on the naughty list before going into a life of law enforcement yeah and so he's he's bitter towards santa claus uh doesn't know that his partner is now santa claus and can't figure it out over the course of six or eight seasons or however long this goes what we what we learn is that he you know his quote-unquote naughtiness is really a product of like either you know some personality genetic thing that he's or you know some upbringing thing and that santa claus comes to realize that some of the characteristics that he's been calling naughty really when you get to know the person there, there's there's a reason and and he oh been, so that's the secondary story along with crimes it's also a, a redemption story yeah yeah and I and I like I like where we're going you're not talking about you're not talking about I mean, they are solving a crime every week of course of yeah. course but yeah but but 
But it's the friends you made along the way. That's what really matters. <laughs> so let me throw one idea out there, which is uh, the whole, like, people can't figure out that he's Santa. I think, I think we lean heavily on uh, whatever the, the DC universe has been leaning on with Superman, where it's like, how does nobody figure out that the guy <laughs> with his glasses on, uh, you know, isn't Superman? Like, the, just whatever that magic is. <laughs> we just apply that. It's like, so, 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 otherwise, it uh, otherwise it gets a little, uh, a bit much if it's if if it's every single episode. The other idea I had was, uh, the first episode starts in April, because it's like Santa's like really just. You know, he's got his taxes in. He's got his and, taxes right. in. He's still, it's like he's unwound. Elves need yeah. any help? They're like, no, we're fine. And yeah. he's and he's driving the missus crazy. And she's like, will you just get out of? And by the way, he's lost the weight. Yeah, as we've seen in Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, he's skinny Kringle. And so when he shows up and he's partnered with this, you know, young rookie or the you know this young agent, whoever it is, um, as the season goes on. In the back of his mind, he's getting ready for Christmas. So one of the like, like maybe once an episode, we just lean on the fact that he's getting heavier every episode. He, I he just, suddenly has a ten thousand calorie. Lunch. Right. I just imagine that like they go, <laughs> like the two of them go into a diner and they sit at the. At, at, at and the he looks counter. at the menu and goes, "That's fine." Yeah. It's just, you know, the, I'll, the I'll young, take the left side of the menu. Yeah. The, the the young partner's like, "I'll have a cup of coffee," and then Crinkles like, "Me too," and a blueberry pie. And it's just like, and you know, the partner's. Did trying, I say slice of pie? Yeah. The partner's trying to be like. Kringle, you might want to go a little easy there. I noticed you, and he's just like, "Don't worry about it." Officer Kringle, just dismissing him, like, "Don't worry about it." I like the fact that you're you're immediately going outside of the characters of Santa Claus for the partner. But could you have something like the the mastermind of the crime is actually someone who was actually close to Santa Claus? Like Hermie, that psychotic dentist, <laughs> right? Oh. Like he's actually—he's not just incompetent. He's really, truly, actually a bad guy. Oh yeah, no. I mean, as the six or eight or twelve seasons go on, <laughs> like you keep—it's like the Mandalorian. Like people keep showing up, and people are like, "Oh my god, that character is back. He's still alive. And he's good, right?" But it's not like Hermie. Like uh, I, Hermie's boss is the one that I want to see because right. he's probably. Committed some crimes. Oh yeah, Hermes' boss. Uh, uh, let's be clear: atrocities. atrocities. <laughs> you thought the misfit toys were mistakes by the elves? No. And there's a crossover with Yukon Cornelius All somewhere right. along the yeah, way. Yeah, throw him in there. Um, I, I also like the idea that, uh, in the same way that uh, on 24, Keith Kiefer Sutherland's uh, character Jack Bauer had uh, Chloe. To just lean on, like, hey, I need you to hack this. I need you. To... Every once in a while, he's got a call up to the North Pole, and it's Mrs. Claus. <laughs> Mrs. Claus is the is the quote unquote the guy in the chair who's just like she's accessing the database. Kringle's memory isn't perfect. He's just like, wait, wait, wait. He's six hundred and thirty three years old. Right. So so you know, and also by the way, she's. I mean, she's running the show. Yeah. She's, she's completely in charge. She's, she's a tech keeping, wizard or something. So Santa Claus is like, I'm going to need all the lights on Montana to be yeah. green in the next 30 seconds. Yeah. And she just like gets in there yeah. and hacks the system. Yeah. She's a boss. You know, when I was, I love all this, but this is a good time for me to let you know that when I was like 
nine, I figured out Santa Claus. And the way I figured out Santa Claus, I, I went to my parents and said, God, you must be smart. You got it by nine? No, 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 no. no. no listen, listen, <laughs> what are you, I figured, bragging? Listen, listen, <laughs> Look listen, at me. Listen to how I figured it out. I went to them and I was like, look, the thing that doesn't make sense to me is how he gets to all of the houses at midnight. But I have a theory. Time zones. So my theory was because there are 24 time zones, that gives Santa plenty of time to go to all the houses. Uh, you, you refer to this show as a procedural, which makes me think it's like a, uh, like a law and order. You're, you're thinking network television as opposed to we're going to go to Netflix or Amazon Prime and it's going to be 10 episodes. And by the way, it's also going to be a little darker because I have a suggestion if you want to make this show a little darker. I'm listening. <laughs> it's, Have we met? It's, it's not. <laughs> did, did you think I was going to stop you? Because I'm pretty sure that the next step is where I listen to your idea and make it darker than that. Yeah. Now, now, I, now I finally understand what Simon and Garfunkel were referring to when they wrote the lyric, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Um, we know him as Bill. We, uh, we don't go to a city... And it's not a police force. We go to an FBI field office, obviously one of the northern ones, maybe Anchorage or Minneapolis, Seattle, something like that. Yeah. And that way, it's a little bit more X-Files. There's traveling involved, and, uh, and, and you have the federal level going on, too. And also the inherent clashes where the federal agents show up, and they're clashing with local police. So are, are they solving murders in your version of this? I, I mean, my recollection of the X-Files. Because mine was, there was more... A, there was a lot of murdering going on. Was, my, mine was more of an ABC kind of thing, where there would be crimes that had to be solved, but not necessarily murders. You right? just not, undarkened it? Who are you? Well, I, I, we're, we're comparing notes here. Yeah. I mean, you, right. your idea for this whole thing actually was not a buddy cop thing at all. You, you, he was going to be like some kind of a private eye. Or something. Yeah, that he's that basically he he starts solving crimes in the North Pole, and then how many crimes can you get? It's not that many, and so yeah. then eventually, a director of Minneapolis FBI field office catches wind of this Kringle PI, who's solving crimes. Like, let's bring him in as a consulting detective, but you can't just let him run loose. You got to partner him up with this by the book rookie. The rookie's by the book. Yeah. So, so Kringle's kind of the loose gun. Yes. Oh. Yes. How else to explain? It's like evidence. I don't need no stinking evidence. I'm Santa Claus. That's I, right. Like I know who's he's naughty. Ba- he's naughty. He's Kringle, not- you can't do it that way. <laughs> you, Kringle PI. And then the rookie is like bring it, honing him in, trying to rein him in. Yeah. And who's who's the uh, police commissioner in this for you? Uh, you know, someone who. Um, is Kringle, it's your badge if you don't knock off the... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's that, but also they have to feel like, uh, he's, he's worth the risk to bring him in. You know, the Minneapolis field office never gets the respect of the bigger offices. I don't even think it's Minneapolis. I think it's something like he gets, it's like he gets sent to like Miles City, Montana. Like the local office, a lot of times. It's a sheriff. It's a, sh- yeah, like it's a sheriff. Okay. <laughs> I, I, my Santa Claus is it's more of a fish out of water thing. He's more likely to be in Miami. And like he's, there's sort of a love hate thing with the heat. Like there's like, ooh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into it today. This is great. Maybe I should be, move down here. And then there are other times where he's just, he can't take it. You right. Know? 
I can like see that. The humidity and you know, like his beard and the humidity. It's it's a whole thing. Yeah. I, 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 I like the progression. Also, there is there is a reset function. So you could have Kringle seasonally in various offices. Oh. He burns himself out in Miami. Or he puts in for the transfer that finally comes through and he gets sent to Minot, North Dakota. <laughs> Where little did we know that after the wildcatting died down, there has been a huge amount of crime. I mean, Barker's thrilled about this because this gets him ever closer to the 12 seasons and the residual chains that will just roll in. You know, just like at the end of Law and Order, it's like, you know, the last credit smash cut to like, produced by Dick Wolf. And it's just like, and, Dick Wolf hasn't had a thing to do with those shows in two decades. And then in five years, it's like, oh, it's the annual list of who made the most money in this calendar year. And, you know, in Hollywood, it's like, oh, the list that Dick Wolf is on every single year and has been for 15 years. Years, it's like, oh, Barker's number 10? Oh, damn it. <laughs> he's, he's still alive? <laughs> exactly. Um, should, should we pivot to one of the suggestions, or do, yeah. do you have more uh, thoughts on this? Uh, no, no. I think we've we, people have already tuned out. Nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. <laughs> the listener has uh, yeah. moved yeah. on. Uh, so we got a couple of suggestions uh, from longtime listener uh, P.T. Lathrop, uh, and one I think... Uh, one I think we're going to unpack for a longer amount of time, but but the the one that I think we can just hit pretty quickly is the Mount Rushmore of soups, which is just like you know every once in a while you hear about like oh the Mount Rushmore of second baseman. It's like the Mount Rushmore of soups is the Mount Rushmore I didn't realize I, I wanted to think about. I need this deeply, and it is a beautiful suggestion. Well, so so let, let me just set this up because is it our personal? Mount Rushmore's, or is it the Mount Rushmore of soups? Because uh, let me just say that, that if you're going to talk about the Mount Rushmore of soups, like chicken noodles got to be on it across yeah. like all of history and society and, and all that. But is that it's not making my Mount Rushmore? Well, no. I, 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 yeah. I think because of that, we should we should just go in the direction of not the personal. Like, let's just go like if if the Mount Rushmore of soups is being you know decided by the Grand Council, yeah. what are we betting they're going to pick? And you're right, chicken noodle is. Yes. Num- is number one on that yeah. list. Are we be- are we betting on what they're going to pick, or are we pitching them our best ideas? Uh, I mean, you can pitch them, but it's the Grand Council. They're going to do what they do. Uh, it's they, true. They, it's they'll true. take it under advisement. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, I think Chicken Noodle is there, and I think Minestrone is there, too. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and but are these, do they make your uh, top five soups? Those like, two make my top like five. You're, top, you're, well, first of all, it's top four because it's Mount Rushmore. I know, but it, 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 they're not only making your, your top five, they're making your top four. Yeah, I think so. You're stuck on the North Pole for the next 20 years. I get four soups. You only get four soups, you get four and you've got to eat yeah. these, these soups. Yeah. I'll oh, take those two. Absolutely, because you know what? Every once in a while, I'm going to come down with a cold. It's the North Pole. Yeah. So See, I think you could get that with my list. Like, French onion soup would be way, way high. You could, you could get at that same umami, make yourself feel better thing with French onion soup than you could with either chicken noodle or minestrone. Do you think that the delta on quality is bigger for French onion soup than it is for chicken noodle? A thousand percent. I, I do. Yeah. A thousand percent. There's right. no such thing as, I, I don't think I've ever had such a thing as truly bad chicken noodle soup. Yeah. But yeah. I've had French onion soup that's like a salt lick. You, you can you can order, uh, you can open up a can of uh, Campbell's uh, chicken on- noodle soup. Yeah, it's and it's like, all right, that's I, definitely chicken noodle soup. Right. And, I know exactly yeah. what this is. Yeah. 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 Um, and 
Does clam chowder go on that? It doesn't. It doesn't make my Mount Rushmore. You're not a chowder guy, are I'm you? I'm not. I'm not. You're like the weirdest. Aren't mainer. you more yeah. like a New England yeah. clam chowder? I mean, you're they're, not, they're, not a Manhattan clam chowder. You're New England, right? Uh, I'm neither, but but yeah. I'm, when I say clam bisques? chowder, I'm refer, I'm referring to. See, New I'm England going. Clam I'm chowder. going to the Grand Council, and I'm arguing hard for gumbo. Yeah. So is gumbo? See, that's a soup, my problem. Though. though, is that a stew? It's a stew. Right. It's not a soup. You got to be able to drink it. You could drink gumbo. You could drink. <laughs> <laughs> you could drink. Yeah, you, you could drink fried little, chicken you, if you try it. Wait, you could just make it a little thinner. You know, you make no, it a little thinner. Crazy. No, that's nonsense. You need no. You need a spoon to eat gumbo. You could eat. You could eat stew with with uh, a fork. Yeah, you, and then like whatever's left, you you just lick out of the bowl. I'm talking you about guys, you, not not well-behaved people. Um, that's fair. So, Tom and David Gardner one time went and spoke at the Door and Sash Convention, and the day before, have you ever told you the story? What the Door and Sash Convention? So what? don't don't say anything negative. We're going to get emails from the Door and Sash people. Right? No, no, no. But so, so we'll day, get we'll get to that topic in a moment. The day before they spoke. They had their plenary session, and the door people and the sash people had a massive argument. So when Tom and David got up to speak, there was like six people there, which, you know, you've heard them speak. But <laughs> really, you got to figure that the stew and the soup people have the same kind of problem, right? Oh, sure. Just like in your home state. That's why there's no official state barbecue. Because That's right. someone in the state legislature was like, Here's, I'm proposing this. And I don't remember if it was vi- vinegar-based or tomato-based, but wh- whichever it was, the other people were like, no, no, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't get that within 200 miles of us. Why would we put that as our state yeah. as our state food? Yeah, you got to figure that the stew people and the soup people, especially at the border, because I do, I do accept the fact that gumbo is a soupier thing than a number of other stews. I mean, you're you're stuck in the North Pole forever. Yeah. You're not going to have gumbo? Forever. I thought it was 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're what getting, did I do? We're getting old. <laughs> we, we can't, we're not what's guaranteed a, more than 20 years. Like, what's the difference? <laughs> I'd be thrilled with 20. 20, 20 to life. Oh, so, so 20. <laughs> exactly. All right, so what So what do you, what are you pitching to the Grand Council? What are your four? Uh, my four? Well, gumbo. Gumbo is absolutely there and um i'm gonna bring up one i'm still bitter do you know what i'm talking about the bitterness i have about a discontinued soup oh, oh yes yeah. i do whole foods i, I do whole foods the albagados the albun the mexican meatball the soup. mexican meatball soup thank mexican you for going that way so good so yeah. good and they just teased us with it for like one season and then took it away. My yeah. memory is it was two. It was like it was a limited run thing like yep. the McRib, only 20 times more amazing. And and then it came back. And then the third year, we're like, hey, it's Mexican meatball soup time. Why aren't they having it? <laughs> I'm then, here. I'm and ready. then they just, for whatever reason, they stopped making it's like it. Like you two are the only one eating that, apparently. <laughs> no, we were. Like, well, my, is my money no good here? Uh, All right. I, I have two. The first of which is ramen. Okay. Okay. You're not buying that? I'm not buying it as soup, but it, it is on. soup. Oh, the big, big bowls. Okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like ramen too. I'm just yeah. saying I'm and not, then, I'm not putting it in the category of soup. Oh, okay. Market, That's more, much more of a soup. And, and the reason is because nobody ever calls it ramen soup. Right. 
Yeah. They just call it ramen. The, yeah. You're all wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The other is lobster bisque. Oh, okay. Like a bisque. Yeah. Yeah. Nice and hearty. Less soupy than ramen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to get... This is the thing that we're going to get emails about. Market, marketfillery at full.com. <laughs> oh, well, so you, had, you brought up one thing, which was the, um, the emails that we were going to get from the Door and Sash people in response to right. any criticism of any part of that whole fiasco. Or, or just uh, of each other. Yeah. Uh, like I'd, love, I'd actually love it if we got a, an email from a Sash person who's like, here's the thing you don't know. About. <laughs> let, me Look, you about the do- let me tell you about Big Door <laughs> and what Big, big door, door is doing to our industry. But the, the reality is that sometimes... Like big Door. Let me tell you about Big Sash. <laughs> sometimes we get emails that we weren't expecting to get. Yes. Like just a, a, like a throwaway line somewhere. We do something and all of a sudden... Uh, there's an email in our boxes later on. And, and we were all supposed to come prepared with a story of a, an email we were not expecting to get. Mm-hmm. And you were ready. <laughs> well, that actually, I think this actually more relates to you than it does to me. But we, You're blaming me, throwing me under the bus for an email I, you received. Yes. And so uh, I made a throwaway line about mimes in an article. And it was throwaway in a not particularly, I made fun of them. Let's just, you know, let, let, let's just go straight, made fun oh, of mimes. Yeah. So, we were all guessing that. Yeah. <laughs> no one was like, I wonder what love letter he wrote to That's mimes. Right. Oh, mimes. How I love thee. Got a, got a five-paragraph article from a guy uh saying mimes are so disrespected it's an art form how dare you da 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 and i was uh, and i was having fun with the fact that we got these emails because they do tend to be fun just so they don't have promises of death attached to them both <laughs> yeah. of those emails are pretty fun and bill barker goes pretty wordy for a mime <laughs> <laughs> That was that was when the complaint letters would come into like the centralized email that we all had access to, which, which immediately got sent to. The- nice. Mine, mine was. Uh, I think this was the first year we were doing market foolery, so it was 2011. It was either 2011 or 2012, but. Um, got an email. Uh, it was. It, the previous day, uh, so let's say this happened on a Tuesday. On Monday's show, uh, we had talked about GameStop. And whoever it was, um, whatever analyst it was, was taking a lot of numbers-based shots at GameStop as a business and just saying, God, when you look at their obligations on, on what they have to pay for real estate over the next three, you know, but right. And, and, uh, so anyway, so Tuesday morning at, I remember the market was open. So let's just say it was 10 in the morning. I get an email from a man named Len Riggio and Len Riggio was, was he loaded for bear? Len Riggio is the chairman, at the time, the chairman of Barnes & Noble and, uh, and the founder of GameStop. And it was a short email taking me personally to task for the, for the tenor of the comments 
and uh, from me personally for asking ill-informed questions and not you know asking better questions that kind of thing and I just stared at this email and first I looked up like well wait who is Len Riggio and then I looked up and I was like wait a minute is the chairman of the board of directors of Barnes and Noble actually listening to this podcast and what is going on in his business day that he's taking time away from it to send an email to me? So, uh, Tim Hansen was going to be on the show that day, and I, I, I showed it to him, and I said, I said, listen, I'm, i, I got to do a couple of things, but we might be talking about this email. He's like, great. So, I went to uh, Lawrence Greenberg, and I just said, hey, I got this email. Can I talk about this on the show? I said, I'm not going to do anything untoward i just i want i just want to read for this. me i want to for me i want to read this email and identify this man and he said i'm fine with you doing that i you just need to confirm that it's actually him so i tracked down the like the head of investor relations at barnes and noble and i just forwarded the email i said can you confirm i i started to write something lengthy i was like no no no, no. I, don't, I don't want to stop this train and so i just wrote can you please confirm for me that this is in fact that this came from your boss and uh got a Pretty quick reply. Yes, it is. I was like, great. great. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Thank wrong you. answer, Dave. <laughs> Thank you so much. You made me so what is that like? This is either a threat to be ignored or an offer to be accepted. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, talked about it on the show that day. Tim Hansen was uh, more charitable to, to uh, more charitable to GameStop than he was to me. Because I read the email and I said, you know, wh what is your reaction to this? And he said, well, the first thing I'll say to Mr. Riggio is, if you don't allow Chris to ask ill-informed questions, that doesn't leave him many options. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line. It's a great line. But yeah, get, getting that email from Len Riggio was just like, what? wait, what? Why are you listening to this show? Do your shareholders know that you're listening to this podcast? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I'm concerned. I'm not sure. I'm going to be talking about this for 10 years. <laughs> exactly. What about you? Uh, not as funny a story. I mean, they're, they're sometimes it, they're just uh, nice, but very surprising. So I had, once upon a time, I read a book by uh prominent <laughs> once upon a time i read a book that's such a <laughs> and it didn't take this, this was before before the internet and before twitter when they I promised read me books. i wouldn't be ignorant after i read a book <laughs> it was about uh it was by bill mckibben prominent uh environmentalist and what he had done uh, this was in the early 90s. He recorded an entire day of the largest cable system uh, in America at the time, which was here in uh, Fairfax, Virginia. And he then watched the entire thing, 24 hours, like 230 channels. Oh, I remember this. And yeah. then a, he spent a day hiking in the woods, and he compared the information that you receive from TV and and the way that information is conveyed and, and the way that nature and uh, conveys information. And they wrote a book about it. And I followed up on that about a decade later, whatever it was, uh, and taped an entire day of CNBC and put it aside for a year. And then I watched it and, and then wrote some articles about it. And it was the book that I had read was called The Age of Missing Information. And the, the series of articles that I wrote was called The Day of Missing Information. And at the time... Did he see you? 
at the time, <laughs> we had a magazine. And three articles were right. compiled into the magazine. And it was the magazine. I don't know if there were subscribers. There were some. But it was also we had to deal with Delta, the Delta shuttle or Delta generally to put this the Motley Fool magazine uh, on their planes. And Bill McKibben, it was the title, um, you know, it was the cover article. And so he saw it and um, wrote me back. And, you know, I had been very complimentary about the quality of his book and the reason why, you know, I ended up sort of following his work. So that's nice. Uh, so that was a very, very surprising, you know, for that to come <laughs> that back was the, around. That was nicer than mine. <laughs> yeah, I well, don't have, I don't think bad to say about Mr. I McKibben. think the most, one of the more, well, two of the more amazing emails, well, one was a phone call, but one of the more amazing emails. Before was, I go, I could just follow up. I, no. I wrote three articles. I got to the opening bell and then I stopped. <laughs> I was like, like ah, this is this is taking forever. I'm, to go through the rest of the day, I'll just you know. You made it through forever. a squat box in the near life. I'm so. being grounded. But back back in the day, the three articles that was probably like five thousand words. We were allowed to write pretty long articles yeah. back in yeah. the day, and that was three works weeks worth of output. I probably. exactly yeah, it was. I think the most amazing email that we have gotten at the Molly Fool was when Sir Selena Moranjan had been writing a series about Berkshire Hathaway, and she got the email from. Warren Buffett, not just saying, hey, complimenting her on what she'd written, but also inviting her to come to Omaha. Yeah. And she ended up flying up to Omaha and having dinner with Warren Buffett just to talk, just to talk about something. I mean, people pay, they do that, they, they do that auction every year and people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. People for pay millions. Yeah, <laughs> millions. And Selena just wrote, not even nice stuff, because he's used to having ni- like some pretty insightful stuff. and. That was that 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 was an amazing day when she started doing like this, because, <laughs> like this. This is great for recording. When she's kind of freaked out when uh, she got an email from Warren Buffett. How great would it have been if she just emailed back, figuring it was like a dummy account? <laughs> just like whatever, creep. So I I did that. I so before I came to the Motley Fool, I was working with uh, with a with a Japanese trade association, I, and I was work on a work on a Saturday, which was rare. And I got a call, and it was a woman with a really heavy uh, accent telling me she was from the CIA and wanted to talk to me about applying. And I was sure, with 100% confidence, that it was one of my idiot friends. And I just insulted her as deeply as I could. And then she said... I I assure you, I am from the Central Intelligence Agency, and I am watching you right That's now. Right. That's right. How did you think I knew you were at work? It was a, it was a total Jack Bauer thing. Yeah. I'm Chloe, and I have <laughs> hacked into With your, act your internal cameras, watching you right now. Uh, you did a thing with your hands, uh, gesticulating, I as, did gesticulate. as, as you interpreted uh, Selena uh, having done it. Uh, but uh, we had a show and tell part of the podcast planned. Yeah. Which was to bring uh, conversational coffee mugs or such. Yours is so much friendlier than mine. Well, this is this is a. I'm not that interested in this one. This is this is just a reference to Elf. But I I brought this because I'm a I cotton-headed thought niggy, niggy I thought mongus. I thought the drinking might get more involved. Oh, you brought us. Look at that Stein. But look look at what's going on with it. So this is a Stein, uh, which came from a, a, a family connection. Um, 
and is uh, could could get involved in the drinking tonight, but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a fool. Yes, that is beautiful. All right. Well, now I'm going to have to take a picture of this and post it on the Villaroy and Bosch. Bach? Villaroy and Bach? Villaroy, Bosch. yeah. Uh, and um, it's unfortunately empty at the moment. Uh, I'll probably rectify that, but it's got a... Maybe we do it, have it's, options it's, it's, in front of That's beautiful. Maybe after you talking drive to home. an audience, and, uh, you know, that, that's my conversational, you know, it's piece for the day. Mine's from North Korea. Nice. From the North Korean, it was a celebration. They have mug-making technology, you they claim? They do. From from the from the Unha three missile launch celebratory mug. Which missile was that? Unha, three, three. <laughs> was that was that one that blew up or not? They all blew up. <laughs> Did it hit anything? Or how'd that, how'd that you might have out? heard if it hit something that. Yeah. <laughs> Great Bill Man things blowing up in space stories. That's right. It's a classic tale, right? <laughs> and then that. <laughs> You tweeted about that and then, recently. And then Kringle came along and blew the whole thing up. Your, exactly. your Elon yeah. Musk uh, oh, things blowing up story. <sighs> did you get any responses back I from, from Twitter? I did get some responses did, back. Not so, everybody knows the story. So, so I recently, we, we've had great interviews this year. Like the people who have come in this year. And, I, and so I've had the opportunity to talk to Jamath Palahapatiya, you know, and Simon Sinek. I mean, really, really great people. And I feel like, and, and Chris, you're really good at this. And I think maybe people feel like people who interview well are naturally good at it. But it really takes work. Being a good interviewer takes work. But it takes a certain kind of work. Like if you go in assuming that you're going to ask this and they're going to answer this and then you follow up with this, they're going to blow you up. Like this is not scripted. And so I was so nervous interviewing Elon Musk that I scripted everything. So I'm going to ask this, and he's going to respond this way. And I'm going to say, this is really interesting. <laughs> I've got this great joke. For I've when got this he, great joke. Yeah. In, when, <laughs> insert joke. What's your favorite number? Yeah, he's going to say 42. And then <laughs> I'm going to go with that. I'm going to be ready. <laughs> so what happened instead is that I asked a question, and Elon Musk answered nine of my questions with his answer. Like, just, they were done, right? Like, I couldn't, and I was, obviously, he's a he, pretty intimidating guy, and I had nothing. You could take him. I could take him. You could yeah, take him. Yeah, in a dance-off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I was panicked talking to Elon Musk, and so I was trying to make up questions in my head. And I thought, you know what? He's talking about the rocket. I'm going to ask him a question about what it was, you know, when. Give, an, give a year for this interview. So that oh, people 2005? No, no, no. no 2010. A, I want to say it was like 07. It, it was after that because I was already down and I was in asset management. Okay, now. so it was 09. Yeah. 09, yeah. So, yeah, because, yeah. So I thought I would ask him a question about, you know, about processes, but I'm, I'm in such a panic that instead I asked kind of a Tommy Boy question, which was essentially, did you think it was cool when your rocket blew up? <laughs> which seems like a trick question. Which, which <laughs> Obviously, he'll say no. And then, and then I'll say... And it was, it, was, it was horrifying. And the moment it came out the way it came out, I couldn't bring it back. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, it's an awful feeling. It's an awful feeling. <laughs> And let me tell you, Elon Musk, 
for whatever you might think about them, him, I think this is probably pretty clear. Elon Musk, not the best sense of humor about Elon Musk, right? Like, fair. He's, yeah, yeah. And so is this idiot like you know you know is this idiot like just trying to make a fool of me? What's going on here? So it was really. I've learned a lot since then, but that was the biggest thing. Like when you interview someone, you kind of have to be present for the interview as opposed to as opposed to having the story in your mind ahead of time. But it was truly horrifying. I, I got a, a lesson in that very, very early in my life. Um, I was in, in, in smaller stakes, but the same sort of like cringy, like, oh, my God, I've just made a horrible mistake. Uh, this is when I was in college. I was interning at a local TV station uh, for the sports department. Uh, the Kansas City Royals were in town. Bo Jackson was playing for them. Heard Ro- of him. Roger Clemens was pitching for the Sox that night. And there was a stat in the Boston Globe that's, that morning that lifetime, Bo Jackson against Roger Clemens, Bo Jackson was something like one of 23. <coughs> Yeah. And so uh, the, the guy who was my boss, and looking back, he was probably 26 years old, but he was intimidating to me. And so uh, there was, uh, the, the Bruins were involved in a big game that night, and so like, the, the actual reporter was at the Bruins game and the Bruins locker room. And so he sends me, an intern with a camera guy, to get uh, quotes after the game. <clears throat> and uh, his big piece of advice was, hey, look, these aren't politicians. They're athletes. You know, you, you can have fun with your question. Like, you know, just get in there, stick your mic in there. There's going to be a bunch of beat reporters. You know, they, they'll ask a couple of questions. But then, like, just, just ask something fun. I was like, like what? He's like, just, just again, they're not politicians. They, you know, these, these guys like to have fun. All right. Cut to. <laughs> We're in the locker room. Clemens, Roger Clemens. What's your favorite llama? <laughs> Roger Clemens, who's a big person. Yeah. And I've yeah. been to games at Fenway and seen him on the mound. And it's a different thing when you're standing five feet away. So a couple of reporters ask questions. And there's silence. And here's my question. Because Bo Jackson was held out of the game that night. So Bo Jackson didn't play. So my question to Clemens is, uh, given your success in the past against Bo Jackson, were you disappointed that he wasn't in the lineup? Now, (laughs) at the time, Clemens is standing underneath a television. It's a locker room. It's kind of loud. I'm on the edge of this crowd of reporters. And Clemens is sort of like looking off into the middle distance. He's not looking at me when I ask the question. (laughs) And then... And so because of the noise, because of everything, he turns to me and looks me right in the eye and says, what? (laughs) And everyone turns and looks at me. And I have no choice. I have no other option but to repeat the question. And I'm like... Given your past success against Bo Jackson, were you disappointed that he wasn't in the lineup? And he looked at me with such disdain and just like, it was like, shook his head. He was like, 
no, no. He's like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> Bo Jackson is an all-star. Like, that guy, like, hits home runs further than anyone. He can tee off on anyone at any time. And it was one of those things, like, like whenever the next person asked the question, like, a couple of beat reviters sort of, like, stopped scribbling in their notebooks and looked over, like, who the hell is that dumb kid? Security. So, yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. It's like, oh. Uh, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> uh, can we go back to the uh, to the other suggestion we got from from PT? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Avengers of serial mascots. Now, the idea here is not the quality of the serial, nor even the quality of the mascot. Like, mm. what's the most fun serial mascot, or anything like that? It's no, it's it's the Avengers. So it's Thanos is coming. Who are we sending? Four serial mascots need to defend all of oh. us. Who are we sending? Who are we picking? And I think kind of like with the Mount Rushmore of soups, where it's like, well, of course, number one is, is chicken. Tony the Tiger's number one, right? No, oh, my. Uh, like, wow, you are willing to die with the planet. If you're going, <laughs> Tony the Tiger is your number one defender. There's, well, only, one, you, there's only one right answer to this. Count Chocula? No, 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 no. Raisin yeah. Bran? Yeah. yeah. Sunny, the sun. Sunny, the sun. <laughs> That's true. That's a true. sentient sun <laughs> is, who, is who you will start with. Sunny, the sun. Oh, That's, I... Yeah. yeah. Um, because he's a benevolent sun. He's, he's, he's on our side. He's on our side. He's offering up, hey, here's two scoops of raisins. I'm going to put them in this box of cereal. I Growing raisins. The, he's, yeah. Like, I can dry this thing into a raisin. Imagine what I can do to Thanos. <laughs> If I go all so out. we definitely need the sun plus magical creatures, right? And and then number two, obviously, when you're talking magic, you're going to Lucky. Yes, for Lucky Charms. Like I understand his magic isn't as demonstrated in the right. commercials. He's always like tricked by kids or whatever. Like, but he has magic, <laughs> right? He's. I mean, it's not very good magic. He's, as far as he's not so much, I, a, he's, I, I, he's not so much a superhero as a semi-hero. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, his magic, <laughs> insofar as we've seen portrayed in commercials, seems to be devoted toward protecting lucky charms from getting discovered by children. But maybe <laughs> and, his and, magic is more comprehensive than that. And by the way, is he successful in that regard? Rarely. Yeah, rarely. He has magic. It may be that he's just letting. It may be to Barker's point, though, that he's just humoring the kids. Magic v. Tiger. Right, that he's. Got <laughs> um, does, here's a here's a technical question. Do uh, do snap, crackle, and pop count as one? Like in the like in the in the choices that we get, we get to pick four. No, also they would be dead in a second. Yeah, I mean, snap, snap, crackle, and pop. I'm not you saying would, them. You wouldn't them. take them to go up against your kitten. It's like, it's like, like, oh, the planet is endangered from this kitten. Can Snap, Crackle, and Pop save it? No, of course not. <laughs> That's like the Jets the versus the wins. Crips. Right? No, I think... I, when you're a Jet, you're the Jet. Oh, I thought you meant the New York Jets. I think that... Well, them too. Also them. Yeah. I would <laughs> also, in front of the Tiger, I, I, I got to put uh, the, the Cocoa Puffs uh, cuckoo. He's crazy. <laughs> You're talking about the toucan, cuckoo for no, Cocoa no, Puffs. No, no, no. That's that's uh, Fruit Loops. No, that's Fruit Loops. Uh, wait, wait. Cocoa Puffs. 
How are there is two he a cuckoo games? bird? Well, I don't know what he is, but he's crazy. He's crazy, he's but not crazy. all the time. You're saying let's let's medicate him so he goes crazy on if, Thanos? Uh, if you give him some cocoa puffs, he goes. I mean, he's got like super powered insanity powers. So, which I mean, granted, Thanos, but like you could send him on some weird tasks. Like, uh, oh no, nobody's gonna go and try to steal that ring from the. You, you know. know? Do you remember the time then they gave him one, and he went crazy, and he went absolutely crazy? Yes, he's much more powerful than I remember. Oh yeah, well he's got the power of insanity, <laughs> which is infinite. <laughs> Insanity as as a feature and not a bug. Well, look, as portrayed in commercials, yeah. let's 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 acknowledge that this is one of those things that in modern day might not be the place you go to. Yeah. Oh, let's advertise our cereal by you know, obviously uh, there's the w- an insane bird, yeah. and that's that's and how we're going to advertise uh, why you should eat him so, for breakfast. So let me go back to the magic thing for a second because you're reminding me of. Um, Chuck Klosterman, who uh, I, b- I believe he has a new set of hypothetical cards that are out uh, that people can buy. and uh, Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, the, the hypotheticals are great. Yeah. And so one of his hypotheticals is, um, is about magic. And, and it's, uh, I'm going to ballpark it here, but it's basically, imagine there were a magician who could do uh, like three basic tricks. Like he can make a coin. He can make a rabbit disappear he can, he can or make appear a, he, out of a hat. He can pull a rabbit out of a hat. He can make a, a coin. Yes, thank he you. Can, he can change a card at, from like an ace to a joker. Or something yeah, we're, like at, that. we're at the refill part of the of the podcast. Yes, and he can you know he can pull a coin out of your ear. And these aren't tricks. This is actual magic. He can actually do these things. And I think the hypothetical question is, does this? Like how highly regarded? I think the question is who is more who is more impressive, him or, him Einstein. or Einstein? Him yeah. or Einstein? Yeah. And uh, and I think you and I talked about this years ago, and you were like, this guy is more impressive than Einstein because <laughs> someone would have got to the relativity theory eventually, and this guy can do magic. And the reason I mention all this is because you're base you're hinging a lot on the Lucky Charms guy on the idea that he can do lots of magic that we haven't seen and i'm suggesting maybe this is it maybe he's like the hypothetical magician that klosterman brought up where it's like no 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 no. he can't do all kinds of magic he can do these three things but he could pull quarters out of your ear all day long maybe but the planet is at stake and you're putting in front of this uh you know supervillain a cartoon tiger now give me the outer limits of what tony can do in this situation well, first of all, the very nature of the question assumes that he's a these, talking tiger. These things no longer become cartoons; they become physical beings. Right? He's an I'll enormous spot tiger. you a tiger. I'll <laughs> spot you whatever kind of actual tiger you would rather take an actual tiger over a cartoon tiger because I think the cartoon tiger, much like like in Roger Rabbit or something, he's got the power to like expand and maybe turn a fist into a hammer or something Blow like that. Right? Okay. I mean, you like you're downgrading. I think. But go ahead. Go ahead. You know who's the worst? I've got an omnipotent being, and you've got a real or fictional tiger. I've got a real tiger who can talk, who, by the way, is the epitome of physical fitness, so much so 
that the National Council on Physical Fitness had Tony the Tiger as like uh, a partner for decades. So it's like Captain. He's like Captain. He's America. Cap- he's the Captain America. He's Captain but America. instead of Captain America, he's a tiger. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> Superman. Superman is vulnerable to two things, right? Kryptonite. Kryptonite and magic. And eyeglasses. Magic. Yeah. Superman can be taken down by magic. When did that come up? It's it's uh, it's canon. Look I it think up. I would have gone with the magic a whole lot earlier than going to look for kryptonite. So uh, you know, I, again, lucky. I agree. He's he he may be uh, just keeping it all wrapped up, or he may be as pathetic as he appears to be in the commercials. Are we? But uh, it's desperate times call for desperate measures. I think we can say without a shadow. And of you're a doubt, bringing up snap, crackle, and pop. Uh, no, that I was th- a technical question. Without without a shadow of a doubt, Captain Crunch is at the bottom of the list. Oh no way! No, he does nothing. He's got a sword. Oh, he's got a. Sword. He's got military experience. He's a captain. <laughs> yeah, like 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 the, the, the against the fists of despair. What about like I've uh, got a sword? Cap- like the sugar smacks honey bear or something. Like uh, Captain Crunch could totally take him down. Uh, d- please, it's no longer sugar smacks. It's honey smacks. Uh, <laughs> remember, if the Grand Council got together and said we have to remove the word sugar from everything. Right. Are we changing the cereal? Oh no no no, just the, just word. the word. We're just removing the word sugar. It's it's instead of sugar pops, it's corn pops. Instead of sugar smacks, it's honey smacks. Oh yeah. Uh, the Crunchberry. Wasn't there a monster for the Crunchberry? Some sort of like Crunch Beast or something? If, if there is a Crunchberry monster, and I'm not saying there is, but if there is, he is totally controlled by Captain Crunch. Yeah. Barney Rubble may be at the bottom. <laughs> what about Bam Bam? <laughs> is there a Bam Bam cereal? Well, Bam Bam's pretty yeah, powerful. Yeah, Co- Cocoa Pebbles, Fruity Pebbles. Cocoa Pebbles, I think, was uh, Bam Bam's, uh, where he was hanging. He was pretty strong. Bam Bam? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you never heard anything about steroid injections, no. but I, I mean, no. there was there was something going on there. At a minimum, it happened early. Yeah. What like what what if that were the case? What if there were like <laughs> what if what if your kid was like in preschool, and it's like oh, and oh, you're yeah. all these kids, and it's like oh yeah, that kid, oh, really yeah. nice kid, but super strong. It's like how strong? And then you see like a three year old picking up a table. Yeah, Jeremy's on the juice. You're not telling me there'd be questions about that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Like, wait, why is this kid? It's like, no, no, he's so nice. Okay. Kyler, nice kid. Obviously a roid fiend. <laughs> have we, have we uh, filled out a team that can handle this? I think, I mean, to, you know, to your point, Sonny the Sun, the sentient Sun. Yeah, everything uh, else is a pretty distant second. Everyone else is like... You know, it's like the twelfth man on on whoever whoever was the twelfth man on the LA Lakers this year. It's like, yes, you get a championship ring. That's right. You didn't contribute quite as much as LeBron James, but you do get a championship ring. Like in my book, Captain Crunch is getting a championship ring, uh, but the Sun is doing all That's the work. That's right. You're the you're the Paul Shirley of the uh, championship yes. squad. Congratulations. Well uh, done. They just on on PTI the other day. They were talking about Adam Morrison, uh, um, and what a great player he was in college and i was reminded of the fact that it's like oh yeah adam morrison has two championship rings yeah uh when when uh a decade ago when uh kobe was leading the lakers uh he was he was the last guy on the bench on that well you remember you remember the uh when jeremy lynn was on the toronto raptors when they won last year and he very openly said that he didn't really feel like he was a part of it because he he played for like 
45 seconds or something yeah. something like that and and the team was saying no i mean you're you're incredibly valuable you're you know you, you we practice with you right right like but he didn't feel apart man that seems like the highest class of high class problems if you ask me oh yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Captain Crunch is not going to be complaining about his championship <laughs> friend. Right. He's going to be wearing right. it, and then it's just going to show up on boxes. That's right. And people who haven't listened to this podcast are going to be like, what is that ring? It's yeah. like, oh, there was a whole thing where Thanos. always going to be going on and on about, did I tell you about the time I beat Thanos? You know? Like, no. I thought that was the sun. Me and some other, me and some other guys. Yeah. I, was, I was on an elite straight force team yeah. of four who's, who's uh, against guy? Thanos. That's there, all I need there, to tell you. There was some guy, I think, who used to joke about, like, uh, did I ever tell you about the night that Will Chamberlain and I com- combined, <laughs> for, combined for 102 points? <laughs> well, that's like the uh, who's, what uh, pair of brothers had the most home runs in Major League history. It's Babe and Ozzy Ruth, or something. Is, like it, that. is it the DiMaggio brothers, or it's Hank Aaron and his brother Tommy, who had like twelve. <laughs> you know what? Good for Tommy. Good for Tommy. Yeah, I mean, Tommy played Major League Baseball. Played major League Baseball. Hit home runs in the major leagues. He's not just a trivia answer. Yeah. He's also a great man. Is he? I, I don't. I mean, <laughs> why not? Why not hand him that? Sure. It's like true. Jeremy Lin. Yes, Jeremy, you were a big part of the team. Tommy, you were a big part of this two-man uh, brother team. This wrecking crew. <laughs> Have there been? Because uh, I, I can, off the top of my head, think of at least three pair of identical twins who have played professional basketball. Are there? Twin brothers? Like I know there are famous brothers. Conseco brothers. They were twins. Were they twins? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're probably high up the home run list. Pretty uh, high. Tim what? and Tom Gullickson in tennis? I'm talking about baseball. I'm, I'm talking, talking about tennis. I'm talking about <laughs> you're talking about what you want to talk about. <laughs> were, they, were they double? And I'm talking about fencing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking about competitive chess. Um, were they, were they, I'm assuming they were doubles partners. Uh, I'm not sure they were. God, what a mistake that was! Wait, but what was there? There, there was a set of twins who were doubles partners. The Bryan brothers, and yeah. they were obnoxious. Uh, no, that was uh, the Jensens. The Jensens, yes. Murphy and Luke, I think. All right, now Do we're you, really going into territory that nobody no, I, cares about. The number, if you could hear people stop listening to podcasts, like, oh my God, about it would be deafening. <laughs> the good news is with nobody listening anymore, there's no one to apologize to. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Although me, we are making it tough for people who are explaining to people in their lives, like, so what did they talk about? It's like, I mean, it was, it was pretty good. I mean, there was soup and some stuff <laughs> cereal. There was an idea for a Christmas show, which isn't bad, but then they, they started talking about tennis. And Ten, like, twins who play tennis. Like, oh, God. No one cared. Uh, but in all seriousness, and then we'll, we'll move off the tennis, is it, is it more confusing to play against a doubles team that is made up of identical <laughs> twins? Or is it just like, no, it's, it, it, is, it is no more difficult. You ask me that as if I've done that enough times to give you a scientific answer. Yes. Uh, yes, it is more difficult. Thank you. Thank you. It's <laughs> a little something called science, people. Uh, there was one question. I don't know if anybody got to it that we were sent in, which was the possibility of uh, combining holidays. 
Oh, I did like that. Actually. Did you like that? Yeah. Did you have an idea, or did you just say that's a good question? <laughs> well, so the exam—I believe the example given was uh, Christmas and July, 4th. Christmas and and Independence Day, and so the idea would be you have to give, in, um, like America-themed gifts. So, I'm trying to think of like where you could go with this. My like my brain immediately goes to Halloween. <laughs> like, like Halloween and Thanksgiving, it's like it's a Thanksgiving meal. I want. It's made entirely I, of candy. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I obviously want. Or, or it's Halloween, and guess what? We're giving out stuffing. <laughs> it's like I want. Where's the chocolate? No, no chocolate. But here's no, a slice of pie. Here's here's cranberry sauce, homemade, not that canned <laughs> stuff. I'm thinking that Halloween and Valentine's Day is a very solid combination. Like, you give a gift to your specific person, but it's slightly horrifying. And you must be dressed up as a ghost. <laughs> you must be dressed up. Or, it's, a, it's depending on how things are going, it's an opportunity to break up with that person. <laughs> it's just like, it's a really horrifying thing. By the way, to go back to the, the awful canned cranberry sauce, um, have you had the opportunity to, like, I don't know if it's, this came up in your home this Thanksgiving, because... Thanksgiving's at home this year, uh, but that like explaining that to my kids because they're just like, "Hey, what is this?" And it's like, "Oh, well, that, that was a thing, probably invented in the 1970s, maybe in the 60s, and it was yeah, it was like cranberry jelly." And it's like, and how would you eat it? Well, people would slice it, I believe. Have you ever gone through and realized how many foods in the 50s, 60s, and 70s involved gelatin? Like jello mold oh. ham and jello oh, mold. Yeah. yeah. Like there was a lot of there were a lot of foods, none of which I would be interested in, that were jello based. Well, Jello molds. <laughs> I'm pro Jello. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah, no. Yeah, if but don't combine Jello with like a meat. Oh yeah, no. no. If you're just ranking like Jello-based foods, oh. Jello is number one. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> and number two is cranberry sauce. That's right. Apparently, <laughs> number two is cranberry sauce because it's still, just because the the place it it it's, still maintains an American uh, it's uh, culture. Still, it's still there. It's still there. And uh, you know, uh, I mean, Did in you all do, seriousness, yeah. that's that's. You know, the nostalgia for that is is probably why there's still a market for yes, it. Yes, I'm super I, excited every every Thanksgiving to not eat that again. Well, yeah. yeah. You, you've, you've gone with this in all seriousness line a couple of times, which I hate that you're trying to take this in that direction. I only mean it for like four seconds. At a time. <laughs> but <laughs> that said, how do you hold up Thanksgiving? I mean, of the people mm. I know, you probably suffered more from the loss of your... Thanksgiving family traditions, which uh, are are extreme, yeah. right? Uh, Tell those no, of I mean, us who don't have families. Well, who we care. have we have families, <laughs> but we know like 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 Thanksgiving in your family is number one with a bullet. Yes, and in many families it's like Christmas, right? Christmas or yeah. any other. And for yeah, for, uh, and I get that for a lot of people. Thanksgiving holiday, like, they right. might might celebrate. Let's just but, get through this. Like yeah. Memorial Day is like but, a huge like huge gathering but, time for but people. You, but you, you, your family is Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, so, so to answer your question, uh, it was good. It was obviously much smaller. We didn't we didn't go up to Boston, you know, and have the huge gathering of forty five people, which. Um, you know, which was unfortunate, but uh, but forty-five th people. Yeah, 
It was uh, it was lovely. It was much smaller, but it was lovely. Made the food that uh, that we knew we wanted to make and and eat, and and it was very well executed. And there was. Uh, uh, there was a moment uh, where one of my kids came to me and said, uh, why don't we have stuffing more often? And I was like, I don't know. I don't because know. Because it's so good. Because stuffing with gravy is so good. Yeah. I made an andouille sausage cornbread stuffing this year, and it was... I need to do that. I agree with you. Yeah, that we, needs to happen much more often. Yeah, we didn't really know what we were doing with the stuffing in terms of like how much we needed to buy <laughs> the ingredients. So we bought entirely too many. This was a breadcrumb-based stuffing and sausage. And we, we've still got like enough to go and make a lot more stuffing. Um, yeah. and, and that's going to happen. Were you the one telling me about the... Um uh, the turkey market this year? Were you the one who, who educated to me me to the fact that basically the imbalance? Oh yeah, with all the smaller Thanksgivings, it's like <laughs> it's like people going like, I just need a turkey for four. It's like sorry, sorry, we have a you've two- you've met turkeys, right? <laughs> right, we have a turkey that feeds <laughs> that's called a th- chicken that feeds twenty, <laughs> and that's the smallest turkey we have. Do you want to buy it? Because if you don't, the the person behind you in line does. You know what else happened this year is. We went and got our Christmas tree in early December. And we went over to the place where we get them every year, and they had five trees left. <laughs> and they were all like the Charlie Brown Christmas yeah. tree tree. Like our tree, it's, it's actually pretty, but it was the one that was left that was pretty. Like a lot of places really under-ordered Christmas trees because they had no idea what was going to happen in 20, you know, this being 2020. Are people just going to be like, yeah. I don't need a tree? But apparently... Everybody wanted to like grab a hold of the holidays early this year. We yeah. went we went uh, to buy ours uh, last weekend, and there were two types of trees. There were trees that were in the range of let's call it four to six feet tall. Yeah, that was most of the trees, and there were half a dozen trees <laughs> that would. That might fit in this pavilion. Yeah. There, were, there were like no joke. There were like like twelve to fifteen feet tall. Like the, the Clark Griswold trees. Yeah, yeah a just, lot of sap. It's just like oh, part of me wants to buy that, but uh, <laughs> but then I have the tree outside. That's right to put up in the yard. Yeah. And that might or be we hard. cut it in half, and we have two trees. Uh, I almost got two trees and just stack them on top of each other, so you've got like an umbrella. Thing I like going. that. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they all they were all really worried that nobody was going to be buying Christmas trees, so they went light. And there's been a run. Yeah, well, you can't do anything about it. No. At, at no, the last you, minute. <laughs> like, like it, That's you, right. This is not a just in time yeah, inventory You kind cannot of like go and and grow a whole lot of extra trees for that year. I mean, you, it's I don't know Speed how many the production. seven, eight year uh, plan to, to have your 2020 harvest yeah. available. Have you thought about the fact that the term hindsight is 2020 is way darker now? No, just, I hadn't thought about that. Just take out the little flag. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Leave him hanging. Go, go musk on him. Thanks. <laughs> no, what a terrible thing to <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty. It was always just sort of a lovely little thing. And now that we've had 2020. Speaking of 2020, and uh, we don't want to go dark, but once upon a time, you were an investor in an actual restaurant. 
That's true. And and I was thinking, you know, and listening to one of the stories the today. Austin Grill. Uh, yeah. The Austin Grill. The Austin Grill. Great restaurant. Loved it. And um, it's, it's still got locations somewhere, maybe? Who can anyway, tell? who can uh, tell? Most of, them, most of them were closed. I think they had one open for a while, but I don't know. The, one in, the, the one in Old Town closed. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but I was thinking in, in listening to, you know, some people talk about the uh, – struggles the restaurants are going through and, and just thinking like there are many things especially you know when it comes to like investments where your your mindset is different based on whether you happen to own a little bit of that or oh, yeah. something oh yeah 90 percent of the so there was a while there was a time that that we owned stock in denny's and i'm sorry like and I would say that 90% of the times that we have ever gone to a Denny's was during the time in which we held the stock. And the day I sold it, we're like, well, we don't have to go back there anymore. <laughs> and it's not like we were ordering so much that it was going to matter to Denny's. It was just, you know, it was it was one of those things. It's if, always sunny at Denny's. It's always sunny at Denny's. Denny's, you know, they'll, they'll do a perfectly good breakfast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We bought them after Denny's decided... As, as companies do from time to time, and it never really works out for them, they decided that they wanted to be something else besides the 24-hour breakfast place. So they started advertising specifically on their dinner. And people were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> dinner, dinner. You know that pancake thing, <laughs> the Grand Slam. That's, that's what you do. Yeah. This is what you do. They should probably close during dinner. It's, it's like like breakfast, lunch. We're going to be closed from about four in the afternoon till about ten o'clock at night. Then we're going to reopen at ten. Right. Ten. Because that's when breakfast starts again for yeah. some of you people. Related question. Uh, we've gone into this the the question of whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and nobody cares. It's been done. Yeah. Diner, Christmas movie? No, Diner's not a Christmas movie. No. Um, uh, You're wrong, I, but go ahead. No, no. It, it, I, I'm correct. Go ahead and defend why it is. <laughs> <laughs> he said as he reached for his That's class. Right. That's right. Shut up, he explained. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, it's, it's too bad that Diner doesn't get that notoriety and publicity for being a Christmas movie that Die Hard gets. Both good movies, very different movies, but Die, uh, Die Hard known to many, many more people. Uh, which is unfortunate because Diner is a great movie, and if it got a little bit of Christmas, uh, you know, business, that's nothing but good. I, you know, that just that's just more people being familiar with with Diner and getting to see it. Um, I, I so yes, it's a Christmas movie. Agree, I'm promoting it. I agree. More people should see Diner. Yes. The reason it's I, not a Christmas movie is the uh, the thing that sets Die Hard in motion is. Everyone is gathered for a Christmas party at an office building, specifically Nakatomi Plaza. Um, <laughs> the, he said in his best nerd voice. That was, um, the, that was the Buffalo Trace talk. Um, <laughs> the, the gathering for the, the thing that sets Diner in motion is a wedding. It's, it's, it's buddies are, are gathering it's for. It's a December wedding. The, right, the, yeah. the first of their group is getting married. The wedding just happens to take place in December. Right. But but yes, more people should see Diner. Yeah, in part so they can be like Mickey Rourke used to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he was handsome. It's like the classic Tommy Boy line. What happened to your face? <laughs> Except in real life, what a cast! Oh, oh amazing yeah. cast! What a script! Uh, Kevin Bacon, 
who has never been seen in the same room as Bill Barker. So yeah. we we still don't know if it's the same person. Uh, young Kevin Bacon. Well, people, young. people, they're all young. Did Steve you Gutenberg. Th- Steve Gutenberg. Ellen Barkin. Um, uh, Mickey Rourke, obviously. Um, Paul Reiser. Tim Daly. Tim Daly. Wow. Um, the guy who was the voice on the Wonder Years. Fred Savage? Daniel Stern? Daniel Stern. I was, I was <laughs> like, about to say, I can, na- I, can, I can name his character. I can't name him. I apologize, Daniel Stern. I love you. Uh, but no, Big Shreve- fan of the show. Shrevey. Shrevey. Yeah. 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 Big Did fan you of the show. So, uh, there, were, there was a reference to uh, me and Kevin Bacon in my younger years, or Kevin Bacon's younger years. They actually coincide. Uh, I was, was, people would come up and say, I know you've been told this. <laughs> But you look exactly like Kevin Bacon. And right. then I would correct them and i say, I do not look exactly like Kevin Bacon. <laughs> but yes, I have been told that. <laughs> and then I would get, get punched. Uh, was there ever anybody you were like no. told multiple times? You, you know my Eli like? Manning story, right? I was, told, no. I was told a lot that I looked like Eli Manning. I can see that. Yeah. And one time, my brother-in-law Jeff Wong and I were gambling in a casino in in Lake Tahoe and it was us and a bunch of locals and this guy sits down and he's he's really really obnoxious like he hasn't read the table at all because these guys are just like pushing money back and forth having a good old time and this guy's playing for real so I'm in the middle of a hand he goes hey Hey, has anybody told you that you look like Eli Manning? I was like, yeah, I've heard that. He was like, yeah, you could be his father. Like, <laughs> like, like, like Eli Manning is five years younger than me, right? Like, like, it's like, all right, <laughs> So later on, he's in the middle he's of the He's not head. five years younger. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. You know, he's... <laughs> there would be an issue with me being his dad. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah. So later on, he's there, in this. There'd be questions. Right. There, there would be questions. There would be questions. Yeah. And, yeah. So he's in the middle of a big hand. I was like, hey, hey, do you know who Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is? He goes, yeah. I was like, you could be his fat younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that go? Oh, all of the old timers were like, yeah. Because <laughs> they were just ready for this guy to be in another place. <laughs> He lost the hand and like steamed. <laughs> Mission accomplished. I did. They're like, they're like, drinks on me. I was like, well, the drinks here are free. They're like, all right, <laughs> then get two. <laughs> Money is no object. Money is no object. <laughs> all right. Do you have anything else? I don't have anything great. No. All right. Well, let's. Uh, that, that. Thank you to Buffalo Trace for sponsoring this evening. Thank you to thank you you for uh, hosting and uh, Taco Bamba and yeah. Uh, you got a holiday song you want to play us out on? Uh, we'll figure something out. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> something to drink too. Cross to the-